Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Off the top, I want to share with you a quick success story that came to me from a loan originator who recently finished our 10 Realtor program. He sent me this email. Hey, Scott, one Realtor after my four slide presentation gave me four leads. So I emailed him back and I said, hey, are you serious? You got four leads from a new Realtor after the first meeting? His response was priceless. He said, hey, Scott, there are many things I will BS about. Just ask my wife, LOL. But mortgages, money, and sales are not some of them. I love how he just comes right out and tells it like it is. He was able to generate four leads from a realtor he had never met before. This is not an anomaly. Our students are regularly generating referrals from realtors they meet, and it's because of the tools and strategies we give them. If you're interested in finding out if we can help you recruit more realtors, visit 10loansamonth.com. That's 10loansamonth.com to find out more. And please enjoy this show. The future of the next two or three years is going to be all about marketing. It's going to be all about how you place yourself, get more eyeballs on a page, get more inquiries, get more effective ways of talking to people because your skills of knowing what TDS and GDS is are going to be very much shrank in the coming years. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here and Ron Butler, the Honorable Ron Butler. So today we're going to talk about our top three predictions for 2019 for the mortgage industry. I see this is cutting off my head. Ron said I look like a radio guy, but you know, I have a face for radio as I've been told in the past. So Ron, if you don't know who he is, he's pretty well known in the mortgage industry. You're a very intelligent guy, outspoken, certainly don't mind you know sharing your opinion, which I love about you and also very high producing companies. So they do like 800 to 900 million, 840 million a year in production, Butler Mortgage does. So he knows what he's talking about. So I love talking to Ron because uh, he makes me smarter. He challenges me, challenges me, I think. And so I'm excited to chat about both of our predictions for what we kind of see in the mortgage industry in the next year. So Ron, welcome to the show, brother. Hey man, good to see you, Scott. So, hey, what's so I, what I'd like to do is I'm going to you share a prediction, something that you're thinking. We'll talk about that. Then I'll go back and forth. And I would love to hear. So what is your first big prediction for the mortgage industry that you see coming in the next 12 months? Scott, I don't know if you ever saw Rocky three. Rocky did. three a while ago. Tell me so about it. Rocky three is Mr. T. They came to see the fight with Rocky and Mr. T. The reporter came to Mr. T and said, what is your prediction for the fight? And Mr. T leaned into the camera and said, my prediction, pain. So that's my main prediction for 2019. There will be some more pain in the mortgage business. Yeah. I guess the, specifically, the first prediction is even less mortgages again. Right. I don't know if the audience realizes that there was actually just plain less mortgages funded by all, at every level, credit, matter, credit union, bank, bank sales force, broker, and the entire country of Canada there were less mortgages funded in 2018 as there were in 2017. So in so 2019, the pie is shrinking to some degree is what you're saying. Pie is shrinking and it will shrink again in 2019. Okay. And so what, what are the, I have some ideas on what's causing this. What are your sort of two or three things you think are, have caused the pie to shrink? There's less purchases, first of all. And how is it that anyone can do a refinance if your old rate is 259, your new rate's Two, three, two, nine, or three, four, nine, or three, six, nine. Why would you refinance your mortgage under those circumstances? Right. So those are those are pretty simple answers. Few purchases and no motivation to refinance. Unless you're in a variable, but if you're not in a variable, not much motivation to refinance. Right. 
Okay. So your first prediction will be that there'll be pain in 2000. And so just out of curiosity, how are you guys navigating this, uh, the coming year? Like, what do you have a, what's your, you don't need, you don't need to tell me like the, you know, the Ron Butler secret plan, but how, what kind of high level, what kind of things do you guys think about in order to not have to experience as much pain as say it's the competitor down the street? Well, in reality, you know, any of us, it doesn't matter who you are, with the exception of Gary Morris and M3, you know, we all can take business away from somebody else. Even if the pie shrinks, we can try to increase our slice. So that's what you have to do. You have to try to find ways to increase your slice, whether it be focusing on renewals where there is consistent action and we have a few opportunities to be better positioned mm-hmm. or get a bigger share of that purchase pie. I mean, get your, make your slice bigger on purchase. So that's the challenge for every mortgage broker in a shrinking, with a shrinking pie, how can I increase the size of my slice? Right. How do I, and ice cream is out of the question. Like it's just pie right now, right? Is that what you're, I'm just kidding. So I I would say, what's that? No ice cream. No, no no ice cream, cream. just pie. Okay. So, so my first prediction is that, and I think that this might, I might be a little early on this, but if you look at what's happening in the U S with artificial intelligence in terms of how it's helping, how it's going to change the underwriting process, the document collection process, the document review process, I see that certainly in the next, you know, 24 months, we're going to see technology that's going to impact processing jobs. You know, there's this whole idea of optical character recognition. You know, somebody gets paid to compare what's on this screen to that screen. Like the technology is improving so much more quickly that we're going to, it's going to affect those careers. So if you're in that space, if your job is primarily document review, you know, that's just I would be scared if I was in the mortgage industry and if I wasn't thinking about how do I up my skill level because some of those tasks are going to start to be eliminated more and more by technology. Have you seen what Google's phone system where they'll actually phone and it's a, it's a robot, but it, it sounds just like a human calling to make an appointment. Did you happen to check that out? I'm aware of it. I'll tell you about, a, if you go to the digital mortgage conference in the United States, which is just two full days of only the digitalization of the mortgage business, you would see some remarkable things such as we did this year. You'd observe a live demo that involved their equivalent of CMHC, which is like Freddie Mac. There's a right. lot of difference, but let's just say there's some similarities. Mm-hmm. So the client's on the phone with a, they call them a loans officer, we call them a mortgage broker. Client's on the phone with a loans officer, they're going through the application, moving it along, moving it along. The broker has a direct link to Freddie Mac. It's just, it was as if we had a direct link to Genworth or CMHC. So he pushes a button. Freddie Mac starts to look at the application in real time. And as they move through the app, the mortgage broker says, Mr. Client, Mr. Client, would you like to, to take this a step further? If you look at your screen, you'll see a pop-up from Freddie Mac. So if you, if the client clicks on that, pop-up because what they've done is they've gone into LinkedIn, they've gone into Facebook, they've gone into, they've done geo-positioning to relate to where the caller is, where the person is actually their IP address is versus where their employer's IP address is. They've gone into all of it. And if you, if the client hits the button, then Freddie Mac will go to their employer directly because in the States, huge companies have they don't, nobody phones an employment for employment anymore. You have right. to get the permission. You get a password to go into the person's actual payroll scenario inside of the company. So given that password, click on it. Freddie Mac goes in, comes out again. Now remember, they've already looked at LinkedIn and done the geopositioning, done all that stuff. At that point, Freddie Mac tells the mortgage broker, 
you are now completely approved for the income if it closes in 60 days. It's called day one certainty. So right. that's it. Income's over with. And you haven't even completed the app yet, but the income's finished. Right. So if you want to think about digitalization, that's just the beginning. Yeah. That is like, it's crazy. The, um, I totally agree with you. The technology in the U.S. is obviously ahead of us, but that stuff is coming in terms of in our, it'll come here eventually. And it's going to change the way we, you know, our role in the inter, in the transaction, it's going to change everything. So, and I know people sometimes say, Scott, well, they've been saying this for years that we're going to be screwed. You probably heard this, right, Ron? They're like, the reality is the technology is finally getting to a place where they can actually do some of this stuff. And I think back to like when I always like using, you know, looking back in history to kind of see patterns. And if you look at when they were sailing cargo across the Atlantic and it took 250 sailors to man that ship to move cargo across. And then they came up with a steam engine. They said, why don't we slap a steam engine, which is kind of like the new technology into the old technology. They were able to cut the number of sailors down from 250 to like 60, right? So they were significantly lower number of manpower and they were able to make the, the ships bigger. Now, if you look today, some of the largest container ships that you could literally put hundreds of those old ships in have 13 staff, 13 people on the ship. And it's because of technology. And so, so if you're, a, if I think of the metaphor of you're a sailor, you can get really good at sailing, but wouldn't it be better to learn how steam engines work? Wouldn't it be better to be thinking about, Hey, how do I make preserve my position so that I have something to do? Because I think that we're going to continue to see more disruption in our industry. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm 61, so it's tough for me to go back and learn how to code, right? So that that's sort of not in the yes. cards. I'll tell you this, that the three of the five banks within the next 18 months will bring out 100% digital mortgage completion. So some of them are going to use call centers as an adjunct. One of them's thinking that they don't need a call center at all. It'll be all AI. So that's our competition. I mean, they're actually putting the knives in the backs of their own mobile sales forces by bringing out a completely digital experience for the client, like start to finish. Now, I'm with you. When I talk about less people and fewer mortgage brokers, like David LaRock had a great remark the last time I put that comment out. He said, oh yeah, Butler says fewer mortgage brokers. What else will be new? Sun comes up in East, you know? So, you know, like you said, you've been hearing this for a long time that we're full of shit. And that, you know, everything will be just the same as it was five years from now. But I agree, nothing will be the same five years from now. No, no, absolutely. And so a couple other key stats on this. Before the 2008 crash, 2007-8 crash, the average LO needed 300 pages of documents. Now it's 800. So, but the thing is technology, even though, like you said, if they can get income in in the same day, they don't need, like, we're going to be able to, even though the regulation has increased, technology is going to move faster than at some point faster than the, the regulation. The other thing is that currently it averages three weeks to close a loan in the US. So like the loan time to actually close the fund, they're expecting that to get to one day within five years. So that's going to make a big difference between, like you said, being able to, so then uh, the, we'll, we'll come to this, but what, how, do you, how do you stay relevant? How do you compete? What do you do if you're not a coder? Like maybe, you know, like you said, I don't know how to code. Like, and I actually don't want to learn how to code. But I would, you know, I would argue that the technology has finally came to a place and the end user has become much more comfortable with a digital experience. Like my wife does not like Christmas shopping. She does it all on Amazon. Like, why does she do that? Because she hates the, going to the mall. She hates, she gets the selection, everything's delivered. And consumers are always going to gravitate towards easier. I, bottom line, that's my opinion on that. So final thoughts on that before we do your next prediction. So the, yeah, you start, when you start to, we were at a, I was at a Christmas party on Friday and I asked the people at the table, I, I said, what do you think of Amazon? And the range was entirely like to love 
So there's nobody who didn't like Amazon, and that tells you something about convenience and customer experience. It's something we all need to think about. Why do we like it? We like it because it's easy, it's simple, and if anything's delayed, they send us an email and tell us and apologize and tell us it's going to be delayed a day. So how do you beat that in our world? I mean, let's face it, it's pretty tough. Now, people will say, you know, it's, this is not like Amazon. We're not selling, sending people tubes of toothpaste to their house. And you're right, we're not. But at the end of the day, it's the customer experiences, whether you like that convenience, that simplicity, that positive feeling you get from something that seems so easy versus what we got today. But just a quick note on that stuff in the States about taking, you know, 30 days to close a file. Part of the problem in the States is not just pages of documents. Part of the problem in the States is compliance and making sure that the incredibly complex way they fund mortgages there works for the mortgage originator. So a lot of it's checking. You've got to check the right state documents versus federal documents, and you have overlap of both. So it actually may never get to a day in the U.S. the way it's set up right now, but it, it's, it's a lot more likely it can get to a very short period of time here. The main thing is what you said, bodies out of the system. That's the goal of the big banks, bodies out of the system in their side of the transaction and eventually on our side of the transaction. Right. Okay, so what's your second prediction for the mortgage industry? I would tell you that sooner or later, the great growth of private mortgages that we've seen in the last year and a half is going to cause a problem. It's either going to attract tremendous government attention or there is going to be a recession come along in 19 or 20, and that's going to be a real big deal for people who have private mortgages. Typically, what happens with private mortgages is that if somebody is a terrible payer, they will not be renewed. Mm-hmm. What will happen eventually when a recession starts and there's people who don't pay, the investor is going to non-renew the other seven mortgages that we're actually paying on time. We're paying perfectly because the investor, who's just a human being after all, mm-hmm. is going to panic. He's going to say, hey, I'm having trouble with these two out of nine. I don't want to take any more chances. I want to get my money back. Because you see, the truth is, if you're a financial institution like Home Trust or Equitable Bank or Haventree, you want the mortgages to pay perfectly. You don't get spooked. It's your business, your professionals. You have capital. You've got deposits. I mean, it all works for you. But because the government has driven too many Canadian consumers to private lending and mix, eventually that's going to come to prove a problem for people who want to renew their mortgages. Right. And then that will lead to regulatory oversight saying when consumers go on the news and say, I had this mortgage and they screwed me over and wouldn't renew me. And that story gets its way to Ottawa. All of a sudden now we're going to have, that's what you're saying. I, you know, I never thought of that. I know that the, the B space, the private space is growing, you know, because of the sandbox is shrinking. And I didn't think, you know, two steps ahead, like you, you're doing, you're right. This is going to create a problem. And then in a recession, if you can't get those, those mortgages start to to not perform, the private individual is not going to have the same staying power as a large corporation. And so that's interesting. If you guys have any questions, by the way, write them in the chat box. I see there's about 40 people on this live right now. So if you want to interact with us, if you disagree with us, we don't care. You can write in there, hey, you know, you suck. You know, like <laughs> you probably never hear that, Ron, but you know, like you might, maybe somebody will be like, hey, I disagree with you, Ron. Um, often, people, often people tell me that I'm a son of a bitch. I mean, it, it is fairly frequent. Uh, happens. So if you do have something that you want to say to us, we are totally cool with that. I'm kind of watching the chat on the side and I'll, I'll make sure that I include it. But yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting, that's not an area that I have a ton of like 
you know, exposure to. We don't do B deals personally. And so, but I do think that it made that opportunity, which I saw as a year ago, I thought it was a huge opportunity. It made, it's going to definitely change and morph over time. So that's a, that's interesting for anybody in that space. So the second thing that I would say, so back to the first point I made, I would say that one of the things you need to focus on are non-perishable skills. So skills that you can continue to use regardless of if your mortgage business looks like it does today or it changes in the next two. And let me give you an example of this. So I have a friend of mine who he sold encyclopedias door to door. Remember the encyclopedias, Ron, that were sold door to door? Yeah, so, I'm really, really old. I'm so much older than you. I remember all that. So, and so what killed this encyclopedia salesman? What was the thing that killed it? Called Wikipedia. Yeah. And the CD-ROMs that people could go buy a CD-ROM for a fraction of the price and they got video and they got, they got the video of the penguins instead of just words. And so the encyclopedia guys were, were killed by, you know, initially CD-ROMs and then of course, Wikipedia online digital. But so I have one of my clients it was a door-to-door salesman, very good at it, had a really good skill set for building rapport, you know, selling. And so he realizes the opportunity changed. I can't sell encyclopedias door-to-door. What am I going to do? So he joins a company called Melaleuca, which is a multivitamin MLM. And then he goes and recruits all of his friends who were door-to-door salesmen, who all know how to sell, who all know how to, you know, how to, and he ended up, now he lives down about an hour and a half south of me. He makes about $30,000 a month US residual income. And he is the happiest guy in the world because encyclopedias got turfed. And so the reason this was possible is because he focused on things that were important, sales skills, building his network. And so if, you, if you're in the mortgage space and you're not upgrading your sales skills, if you're not building your network, those things are always going to be valuable regardless of what happens with technology. And so just like this guy did, it was the best thing that ever happened to him. Now, he could have been bitter. He could have been like, this sucks, no fair. Or he could have been like, okay, this is what I know how to do. What else, how else can I apply it? And so I think that our mindset, sometimes we, nobody owes us the right to make a living from this for the next 20 years. And so if you're not focusing on upgrading skills constantly, then you will eventually become irrelevant. And that, that would be my like warning for anybody in our industry. It doesn't matter. And maybe you got five more years, you can squeeze all the money you can out of it, but why not acquire sales skills? Why not acquire marketing skills? I know you guys are good at marketing. You do a lot of advertising, Ron, you can probably speak to this. So like the thing for you, you know how to do marketing. You know how to get traffic, to move it through a funnel, to turn it into a customer. That skill is still going to be valuable, even if a lot of the processing becomes automated and less human bodies involved. That's still a valuable skill. What are your thoughts on that? Everything we think about right now is about marketing. Everything we think about right now is about click-throughs, time on the page. You know, we've got to go past, by the way, you know, I don't want to end up like your buddy because I don't want to have to, I want to be able to sleep at night and not know that I filled like 160,000 people's basements up with supplements. And, you know, there's 150 <laughs> crates of unused vitamins in every household. Right, I don't want right. to have to do that in my life. I don't want to do that in my life. So what I would say is that, yeah, marketing. Here's where we can do better than the banks. Here's where, no matter how, you know, and, and you know, you can like something like Scotia, they spent half a billion dollars on developing this digital technology. I mean, like half a billion with a B. It's a lot of friggin' money. There's no mortgage broker or monoline going to go near that. But what, here's what we're good at. We're great marketers. You know, every mortgage broker has the opportunity to be a great marketer. So can we outmarket the banks? Sure we can. We can do guerrilla marketing. I mean, I saw a guy put, and Facebook ads, only interested in mortgages over 1.5 million. If you don't have a mortgage over 1.5 million, stay the hell away from me. But otherwise, if you've got a mortgage over 1.5 million that you need to get funded, I'm going to use every 
I'm going to use banks that aren't in the channel. I'm going to go to CIBC. I'm going to go to RBC. I guarantee you, I will get you the best deal and I will get your $1.5 million and more mortgage funded on time. Hey, I mean, it's very specialized, but it's very smart. I mean, that's the thing we can do that banks can't do because banks are so big and have so much legacy. Mm-hmm. We can do things that are new, fresh, modern, and we can do them nimbly, quickly, effectively. So that's what I would say to the future of the next two or three years is going to be all about marketing. It's going to be all about how you place yourself, get more eyeballs on a page, get more inquiries, get more effective ways of talking to people because your skills of knowing what TDS and GDS is are going to be very much shrank in the coming years. Yeah, I agree. I think that becoming a master at loan programs and all that stuff, eventually that's going to be less of a valuable skill. That's like becoming a really good sailor. And all of a sudden you're like, what? it doesn't matter. Like we don't care because that stuff can be done so fast that the, the skills that are going to be valuable are sales skills, marketing skills, and niche marketing is something actually I wrote down on my thing. I didn't mention it, but I totally agree with you in terms of niche I always get a kick out of mortgage brokers' websites when they say, we specialize in first mortgages, second mortgages, commercial, you know, residential, whatever. and it's like, no, it's like, a, that would be like somebody who's a contractor saying, I specialize in electrical, plumbing, drywall, painting, you know, it's like, no, you don't specialize in any of those things. And so the great part about digital marketing, though, you can actually create funnels. So you actually could have the $1.5 million funnel. You could have the reverse mortgage funnel. You could have, you know, so it's not like, but to put all those things on one page and expect that to convert is just silliness. Like it won't work because I agree with you. I think that you're going to see more niche marketing as a strategy or maybe just self-employed individuals. Hey, we only work with self-employed people. That's it. Um, if I'm self-employed, I'm going to gravitate towards that kind of messaging versus messaging that's just broad and not specific. So have you seen any other niche marketing things that you were that you found effective? If you want to, if you want to become a investor in rental properties, you want to get to 20 doors you want to, you need a special mortgage broker. So there's those areas, right? Everything, yes. you just covered, everything you just covered is available, but you need your, a separate landing page. You need a separate digital approach to it. And then it can funnel back into the main body of the operation, or you have to pick your spot. If all you want to be is the expert on how to get an investor to 20 doors, then you better figure out how to do it. And you better make sure you're, telling all those people about it, finding those people, how are we going to get those people digitally and how we're going to get them interested in what we're doing. Right. Yeah, that's totally. Okay. So you don't want to get into supplements with me because I got an idea. I got a deal for you, Ron. We're going to sell supplements together. Um, I'm just kidding. So, but the the point of that story wasn't that he sold Melaleuca. The point was that he used used what he had, right? What's that? We're not going to sell supplements together for sure. Okay. So yeah, it was, the point wasn't about the, it was just about, he, he was like, Hey, what do I do with what I know how to do? And the people that I know, and he was able to find an opportunity. So what's your third prediction that you have for our industry in the next, the next year? My third prediction is the government will continue to be involved in our business. So there's a reasonable chance that by the next election, we'll see 30-year amortization for high-ratio mortgages. The government will announce it as part of their strategy to get reflected. So we're going to be a great help to first-time buyers. Instead of being limited to 25 years, we're going to give you 30 years on high-ratio purchase only. So that sounds like a nice thing, maybe helpful. That being said, the banks are going to get it too. So great, but it's something that everybody can have. Here's what we need to think about as a group, as an association, as a channel is how can we get the convince the government to make changes that help 
us, not just help us and the banks, us and the credit unions of the banks. How can it help us, the mortgage broker? And let's face it, those changes are things that help the monolines. So let me give you the greatest stupidity that's going on in Canada right now. I'll give you the best example of government stupidity going on in Canada. And remember, when you talk to the Department of Finance and you talk to CMHC, they're constantly telling you that there are no unintended consequences of what we do. All Everything we have done, we've achieved consequences that we wanted. So let me throw this one out at you. Why in the world should someone who's renewing their mortgage have to qualify under the stress test? Because let's face it, they're not buying anything. They're not refinancing anything. They're not adding a dollar to their mortgage. They just want to go out and because the rates are all up, rates are up everywhere. If you want a fixed rate, every kind of fixed rate is up. They're just trying to get the best deal for themselves and their family to keep their mortgage payments lower. Mm-hmm. But why do they have to be subject to a stress test? Because guess what? Their existing lender, whatever bank they're at now, is not applying any stress test. They're not saying, no, no, you, you failed the stress test. We got to cancel your mortgage. That never happens. That won't happen. It's government policy that it won't happen. So why is it that you have to be prevented by the stress test from getting the best possible deal you can? It makes no sense. Now, it's anti-consumer. It's unfair. And in Canada today, with every other kind of thing up in price, like we just heard food prices are going to go up 6% this year. In Alberta, those people, poor people in Alberta, and my wife's family is all from Alberta, they are being literally destroyed by this ridiculous policy that attacks the energy industry. Mm-hmm. And they need all the help they can get. But if they don't pass the stress test, they can't get a better deal on their mortgage. So we as an association, we as a channel, we as a group of mortgage brokers have got to go to the government and say, look, this doesn't make any sense to stress test on a renewal. It's absolutely crazy, anti-consumer and anti-competitive. We've got to pick one issue and drill down on that issue and say, take that away. And that way, our monoline business partners can really start to compete even more on some of those renewal deals. And that's a consumer positive. You can never find anything that's any reason to say the consumer shouldn't have a shot at getting the best possible mortgage renewal rate. doesn't make sense. No government can defend it. But we have to vocalize that one specific thing and go after the government about it. Right. That's actually a really good point because I had a a friend who was late on a mortgage payment because the lender took the wrong bank account. So it showed up as a a derogatory. This person's in a variable rate. They said, hey, what's my conversion rate today? Oh, look at late payment. Your conversion rate is 5.49%. from a. And so why did they do that? They did it because they're like, too bad, so sad. This was their error. And now they've gone back and and with a lot of fighting, they're able to fix it. But it was their error. But they're looking at your behavior is going to determine your renewal rate and anything that they don't like. And if you don't have any options, what like that, you're totally right. You're basically forcing consumers to pay more with their incumbent lender and not giving them any options in terms of, you know, or, or at least eliminating a pool of those people who now have to qualify at a stress test rate that they can't qualify at. So I agree. So then how would we as a group um, get behind something like that? Like, what are your thoughts on like, what's the practical steps to make that a reality? The practical steps are firstly to put our association's feet to the fire. People get mad at me all the time because I make fun of our association executives going up to Ottawa, running around the countryside, you know, getting selfies with politicians because 
And that's what's happened in two and a half years. I mean, there's been no positive change that's occurred. And people just keep saying, wait, 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 Ron, just give us time. Another couple of, well, if we give you, you know, if we give it long enough, the government will change and things will happen on their own. You know, we actually need to focus on one issue. We can't be focused on all kinds of issues. Change this, change that, give us back this, give us back that. Eliminate the stress test. Government's not going to eliminate the stress test. Government likes the stress test because overall lending is down. And we're always remember, Trudeau and Morneau never had a mortgage in their lives. They're trust fund kids. So they think it's fine. They, they like it that the uh, International Monetary Fund tells them, you're doing a good job. Keep, that, keep shrinking the debt in Canada. You're doing a good job. They don't care about whether it affects people negatively, hurts their families, hurts their lives. But we just got to pick on one thing, one thing alone, and say, you cannot defend a stress test on a renewal. You can't defend any of it. You can't defend pretending that a zero balance HELOC is fully utilized. You can't defend that a visa payment that's $30 a month, we're going to pretend it's $180 a month. You can't defend any of those things because on renewal, the client who's an 840 beacon score and they've got good jobs, just because there's a stress test, you can't force them to stay with their bank. It's not right. It's not even reasonable. So we've got to pick one thing, go after it hard, tell our association to go after it hard. And when we win one more thing, then we go after the next thing. Right. Not just go up to Ottawa and take selfies and say that, you know, we're, we're, we really want to tell you about how the mortgage business should work. They don't give a damn. We got to get people mad about it. We got to get the public mad about the fact that they're getting cheated on competition on their renewal mortgages. That would make anybody mad, I think, wouldn't it? If they understood it. Like, this goes back to what we we're just talking about uh, this idea of being specialized in tw- trying to do 20 different things and not doing any of them effectively versus pick one area to focus on. If the association said, we're going to make this our campaign, our focus is going to be let's just eliminate the stress test on renewals. And then you're right. When that, when you, if you, if and when you that victory comes, then it's like reset. What is the next target? Instead of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the mono lines would get behind it because obviously it's affecting their ability to compete. So I think that's a great, a great strategy. Now, whether or not people will do anything with it, who knows, right? Like, and have you ever run for association at all, Ron? Just out of curiosity. Well, as as possibly the most hated mortgage broker in Canada, that doesn't seem like I have much of a constituency. Be honest with you. But hey, you know what? I I would vote for you. So here's the thing. So what maybe people need to do is like, you know, at wartime, Winston Churchill was a fantastic leader. Now, after the wartime, we can argue whether or not he was the right guy. But if our industry is under attack, why on earth would you have, why wouldn't you want to have somebody that's in there that's actually going to fight versus somebody who's just going to roll over, sign the papers, whatever you say. And I, for one, and I'm sure that if other people watching this, there's people that would agree with this as well is that that would be a great issue. You, it, your logic makes perfect sense. And to put all energy and effort behind a, a single thing is going to, will have a much better chance of success than just sort of all over the place thing that, you know, that we've been doing. So I don't know how, I'll support you. So, hey, you got my vote if you decide to do it and we'll push to, to get you in there and make this an issue that, and I don't know if anybody else, if you're listening to this and you disagree, tell us. If you agree, tell us that too. Because I think that that's an important issue in terms of, and it's a consumer thing. It'd be like, imagine if you went to a gas station and you decide you go there once, but now you can't go to any other gas stations. You have to go to the same one every time. The one across the street's cheaper. Nope, too bad. You've made a commitment. You have to continue to come back here and shop here every single time. Consumers would be pissed, but yet they do that with us through this regulation. And we, we just don't know it. We're just, we're blind to the fact that we're, they're eliminating our options. And so 
I totally agree with that. The Gordon Ramsay of mortgage brokers, Rob Campbell calls you. So <laughs> well, I, I haven't sworn too much actually. So I no, you've been good. I, I was like, I thought I got to bleep, like beep, beep, you know, like Don Cherry's got that delay. Yeah, we didn't even need it. I'm so, I'm so proud, Ron. It's so great. So that's really good. So you guys, if you, if you also feel this way, that this would be a hot button issue, I think there's something that we should, we should push forward towards the association and say, hey, look, you need to make this a, this a thing because we actually have a really good logical argument and a case to do something about this because it doesn't make sense and eliminating con- consumers' options and choice. And let's fight one battle to win that before we try to win the rest of the battles. So totally agree. Okay, so I'm going to share my third topic so I still think, so my prediction is that I still think that realtors are still a good source of business, even in a decreasing market. And my argument for this is going to come from a company. I like to look at the US, Movement Mortgage. You heard of Movement Mortgage, Ron? Yeah, no. Okay. So they're, they're a really fast growing mortgage company out of the US and they did 12.1 billion last year. They're the top 10 lender in a very short period of time. They're a top 10 lender and, and they have made a full-time, like a commitment to acquiring realtors. Cause I think that the mortgage industry is going to be disrupted. I think we've talked about this before. It's going to be disrupted sooner. I think real estate is going to be disrupted for sure. But I think that that's a little farther out in terms of the change in consumer behavior and realtors, you know, the top 40% of realtors control 80% of the market share. And so they're going to, if you can have good realtor partnerships, that'll build your business. And so I think that one of the things that we talked about, be a good marketer, be good at sales, build good relationships with realtors because realtor partners are still really valuable. And for me, if you think about it, for us, I think of realtor partners as a way for us to build our database for us to build our, you know, continue to add more people to our funnel. And so I think that that would be the third thing that is important for, yeah, they did 12.8 billion last year in residential mortgages. And the three things that they do really well, one, they're really committed to technology. So they're really trying to make it simple for the consumer. Two, they have, they've wrapped their brand in a cause. So movement mortgages has got this cause. 90% of millennials say they would switch companies for a cause. And so they've figured out how to take something boring like mortgages, add a cause to it. And then their marketing strategy is, hey, we're going to focus on realtors because if we build a big enough client base over the next five to 10 years, then movement mortgage will be. So if you look at what they're doing and they're getting a lot of traction. So I think that my advice, my suggestion is that you focus on building good realtor partnerships in the next 12 months because you're still going to need them. What are your thoughts on that, Ron? In the United States, the new big thing, fintech's over with. The new big thing is prop tech. PropTech is property technology. So I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there's a number of companies in the United States whose intention is to totally eliminate real estate agents. These companies will actually come and buy your home. They will just say, well, you want to sell your house? So this is what we think the house is worth based on careful analysis. And we're going to deduct the real estate agents 4 to 6%, and we're going to give write that as a check to you right now and hand you the check. And that is actually the fastest growing company in the in, in in terms of real estate in the United States right now, and there's another four of them coming up. So the chances of the real estate agents being the controlling force in the real estate business in 10 years in Canada and the United States is slim and none because they they're effectively doomed in terms of having huge numbers by the fact that nobody in the world is going to. And if you're in, even in Toronto today, southwestern Ontario today. Even if you're only paying 4%, you're selling a million dollar home and you're giving somebody $40,000. It's just batshit crazy. It doesn't make any sense. So the change, the Supreme Court's decision on the Treb case, which is going to make property value and sales information available to every single person who wants to have access to it, 
So you can build all kinds of search engines around it, build all kinds of landing pages around it. And here's the other thing that's probably they didn't even realize it when they did it. The real secret to the real estate agent's life was when they used to run back and forth in the middle of the night with those offer sheets. I don't know if you right. ever sold a house where the agent had the was sitting in front of you and then said, okay, you countersign here. I'm going to go out to the car and see what I can do with those guys. And, yeah. you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, a deal was struck. When realtors decided they wanted to digitalize that and we're just going to email back and forth offers and have you initial them and sign up, they maybe didn't realize it, but they were actually bringing an end to their own existence. Because if you are just, if that's your experience with selling a house, is that a bunch of documents went back and forth in your email or in your text, you're starting to wonder, like, why exactly am I paying the four or five percent? Like, you know, I mean, I can stage my house myself. There's all these companies that sell staging. I can get the video in, of my house done myself because all these companies sell the video. Why am I paying $40,000 to sell a million dollar house or 50,000? Doesn't make sense. And again, we have companies that are going to appear on the horizon very soon. They'll just come in and buy your house. They'll just say the commission's X, house is worth Y. You may disagree, but we're prepared to write a check for you right now. You move out in 30 days. So I'm not sold that real estate agents will be the great source of leads for mortgage brokers a decade from now, because I don't think there's going to be a hell of a lot of real estate agents working in exactly the same way. Always remember when, when just like you talked about the sailing ship, yeah, it's people doing something, but differently, you know, and nothing ceases to exist. You know, radio, if you think, I want to think about the medium of radio. Radio was the dominant entertainment medium in the Western world in the 1930s and forties. Well, they sure as hell aren't now, but there's still a radio. Like you drive your driving your car, you can listen to the radio if you want. So it'll exist, but it's much diminished. And you got to think about what the next big thing is. So I believe the next big thing is for our industry, along the lines of what you said, it's three things, digital, digital, and digital. You just got to figure out the right way to make people look at your landing page on their phone. And if you can get to that point, probably going to be fine. But if you're not going to get to that point, you're probably eventually going to have a problem. But like, as David Larock says, Butler predicts, sun comes up in east. So I guess I'm talking the same thing I've been talking about for the last five years. Right. The, the thing I think, Ron, is that you have a, you see, I, I think you see further down the road than a lot of people in terms of how these technologies will disrupt. The timing is never, you know, it doesn't ever happen the way you expect and so I think like, so in terms of the real estate agent, I would say in 10 years, I agree. I think 10 years is, but I think in the next three to five, I still think that the, the disrupt, the, that having a good real estate realtor funnel is a fantastic strategy for your business. But in the next 10 years, is it going to change? Absolutely. It's going to change. And then those companies, you'd shared one of those guys with me when we were on our Facebook group and you said, Hey, these guys actually just buy your house. And we both agreed that the biggest risk to those guys is a, a sudden downturn in the market and they're sitting on a pile of inventory because their whole strategy is they move their money. They buy the house, they sell the house, they buy the house, they sell the house. All of a sudden, if there's a shift, if something happens like 2007, 2008, and they're sitting on all this inventory that's dropping in price, that business model looks pretty crazy. Now, that may not happen, but that is a risk for a business model where they're going to literally write you checks for your property. The other thing is that at least in BC, I don't know how this would work, in some provinces where there's transfer tax and stuff, there's extra like friction for some of those transactions. So like in BC, we, the company buys it from me and then they want it. They just paid property transfer tax. There's profit gone right there. They sell it to the next person. And so they'd have to figure out a way to navigate 
you know, in terms of would it be successful in every market? Who knows? But I do think that the real estate industry is going to be disrupted. Our industry is for sure being disrupted and that you have to acquire skills, build your network, learn about, you know, if you're not constantly learning how to sell, how to do marketing, I th- you're going to be left behind. Like, I absolutely believe that's the case. And I think that you've really positioned yourself well in terms of staying ahead of this trend, right? So any final thoughts that you uh, have to share? Same thing Mr. T said, there will be pain. 2019, there will be pain. There will be, you know, it's funny when, when you and I look over Facebook groups, say some of the ones that we belong to, we constantly see the referencing of, oh, the bank beat me on this. Oh, the credit union beat me on that. Or how can they possibly offer that to these people? The ratios didn't even work. Here's what I'm going to guarantee you, more of that, because I'll explain what the real point of these companies, because remember, when we're talking about our monolines, the money who funds our monolines is really banks, capital markets departments. So in this country, about 92% of 93% of all mortgages are funded in some way by the big six banks. Now, why do they want to fund business through us? Here's one good thing. If they put us in a regulatory straitjacket, like we've got to have perfect files. I mean, have you ever wondered why you've got to ask somebody on a new construction deal for canceled checks that they wrote to the builder three years ago? Like who in the name of sweet Jesus has checks from three years ago? First of all, most people don't even get checks back in their, from their account anymore. And how in the world are they going to, here's our, here's our monoline saying, no, we got to have them. We got to have them. Absolutely got to have them. So what are the banks doing who supply the money to these companies? They're essentially saying, we want you to give us perfect files like the most perfect files. The concept of mortgage fraud amongst mortgage brokers has actually reached the point of laughter in some sectors of our business. Because the truth is, the mortgage broker is the most relentlessly audited form of mortgage origination that exists in Canada. We're put under a microscope. We're put through pre-funding audit, post-funding audit. I mean, they're checking on every little thing. I had a call yesterday Oh, yeah, his, this guy's job is different. His LinkedIn page. I mean, we've got to investigate this. Yeah. And holy mackerel. It is unbelievable. So what do we do? We produce the very highest quality of mortgage businesses that exist for these banks, whether it's our banks in our channel or whether it's for the banks who, through their capital markets divisions, buy the mortgages from the monoline companies. The finest quality. Why? So if the branches screw something up a little bit, or if the sales force gets a little over exuberant and puts a few things through, maybe shouldn't have gone through, that when the big audit's happening, they can say, yeah, yeah, but there's a few problems over there. But look at this perfect bunch of business over here. This bunch of business is the most bulletproof business that we have. And God, it's for mortgage brokers. I mean, holy mackerel, is that an about face from 20 years ago? I mean, it's just crazy. But Think about that. We supply the very best, highest quality, probably average beacon score, best beacon score to our lender partners today. And yet, where are we? We're squeezed by exceptions at a branch, by better pricing at a credit union that we can't access. And you and I see it in those Facebook postings every day. Like, got beat over here, got beat over there. Sometimes you hear the response of, oh, just give them better service. If you really sat down and met with them and told them about how you like puppies too and how, you know, and show them a video of a cat playing a piano, you know, they'll like you better. Well, I got news for you. They're not going to like you better. 
They're going to like a better rate better. They're going to like a quicker approval better. They're going to like less paperwork better. So by all means, push the button that we can push. We can push the marketing button. We can say we are, have to dedicate ourselves to figuring out better ways to attract people to talk to us, to interact with us digitally. That's going to be the key to the future, in my opinion. And it's in the next two or three years, it's just going to become incredibly important to survival in the mortgage broker space. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thank you for coming on and sharing with me today. And if you decide to run for, you know, mortgage office, you'll get our support. And um, I'm sure there'll be other people in the community that would say the same thing. I think that, you know, the, the advice on the renewal stuff is bang on and as well as the marketing focus on the thing that you can control and acquire some skills, you know, develop your sales skills, develop your marketing skills. It's still a fantastic business. Where else can you make money hundreds of thousands of dollars with virtually uh, crazy with virtually no education. Like it's it's insane. So we still have a fantastic business, but you're not going to be able to coast. You're not going to be able to get away with always having the lower lower rate. So you're going to have to up your skill. Absolutely. Thank you, Ron, buddy. I appreciate it.